feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Boy, are we in trouble. We've got the head of Homeland Security for the Biden administration, and he doesn't know how many terrorists have been let go into the United States. Yesterday on the show, I thought it was pretty bad, the grilling that he was getting from a number of members of Congress, bad on his responses. I think he owes it to the American people to talk about what he knows And be honest, I don't think he did that yesterday because yesterday Alejandro Mayorkas was basically saying, oh, we have done a good job with our southern border. And I was thinking, what drugs is that guy taking? Because he's taking some really serious stuff. If he thinks that they're doing a good job on the border, you got to be kidding me. And then today, boy, it wasn't just a grill. It was a searing. He was really grilled by members of Congress today, and it just got worse. He still maintained that, boy, they're doing such a great job. They're effective at the border. But today, a lot of the members of Congress just weren't having it. They were like, forget that hogwash, buddy. You know, that is not the facts. And then they were getting into the specifics because they said, you know what? All right, there's a number of people that have been on the terrorist watch list just even of late. How many of those have been led into America? Where are they? Do you know their locations? Give us the lowdown on all of that. And he was like, uh, 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 I don't know. And I'm just telling you, for somebody who has been at the border, as I have, I've been down there, I've seen it firsthand, I've covered it as a journalist, and I'm sitting here going, this guy is in charge of protecting our sovereignty, protecting our borders, This guy is a disaster. He was arrogant. He was also inept. And he also wasn't honest with the American public. And those are the three nicest things I could probably say about him after watching him today. So I want to get your take on where you think things are headed with our border. Because, boy, if they lift Title 42, which is still Biden administration's plan— They're fighting it. Of course, a court stepped in, a judge stepped in. But the Biden administration is still hoping that it gets lifted and that the border will be even more open come May 23rd. And if indeed that happens, and there's a good chance it might happen, I mean, who knows? Hopefully these judges will keep blocking them left and right, and hopefully they'll keep adhering to it, even though they seem to be thinking they're holier than thou and not are even listening to the judges, different judges' decisions, like on the Remain in Mexico and all that. But all I kept thinking about is, boy, are we in trouble if indeed this gets lifted on May 23rd? Because today, this guy was just defensive. He didn't seem sincere with the American public. And he also just doesn't seem like he is ready for the job. I don't think he can handle by far what's going on at the border now. And yet he knows it's about to get a lot worse. I mean, he that was the one answer that I think he was honest in. They were saying, oh, well, what do you think is going to happen when Title 42 happens? 
do you think it could be a crisis? And he's like, yeah, you know, but we're preparing for that. So he did admit that he thinks it's going to be even worse. But he thinks right now things are pretty good. And the fact that since the Biden administration has been there, they've had almost two million illegal immigrants that they know of. These are not the gotaways. They believe in terms of gotaways, there's probably another like six, seven hundred thousand gotaways, but there's close to two million migrants. So that's a big number, guys. I mean, we're talking like two point seven million have probably entered the country. Not in the last 20 years, but in basically a little over a year since President Biden has been in office. And to me, this is downright scary. So tonight, I want to hear your thoughts as to what you think, first of all, the future of Alejandro Mayorkas should be. And how concerned are you when the head of Homeland Security for the White House, this is the guy who's in charge of our borders, says, I don't really know how many people that are on the terrorist watch list have been let go. I don't really know where they are. I'm not really sure. I don't really have a track of them. Um, I don't know how many gotaways we had. It's like, uh, are you kidding me? And especially when we know the kind of people that have come through the border and we know what huge security risk that is. Tonight, by the way, Russia is striking Kiev. And this comes basically during the U.N. Secretary General's visit there. So Russia is ramping up. They're talking about nuclear. They're talking about chemical. Boy, is there a lot of things going on in the world right now. And we're also learning some huge numbers on fentanyl. And in fact, tomorrow I'm going to be putting up a new edition of my podcast called Protecting America. And I interviewed Derek Maltz. He was a former special ops DEA agent, and some of the numbers of what he talked about in terms of the bad people that are crossing our border every day into the United States will stun you. And the amount of fentanyl that is coming through China and then comes through Mexico and comes into our country, literally killing over 100,000 Americans last year alone. That's a stunning number. A lot of teenagers, in fact. It's just tragic to hear. You're going, what the heck is going on in our border? Why are there not people picketing at our border tonight? Why are there not people, like if I'm a rancher and I live in Texas, you see some of the signs. I was looking at pictures earlier and video earlier, and I was looking at all these clothes that, like, migrants just leave on around a barbed fence because the guy has a barbed fence around his property because so many people were breaking into his home. And it were terrifying him and his kids. And so there's all this like, you know, fen- you know, you see like broken shirts and shoes and things that are just laying all over the place. It looked like a free for all. I mean, there were like hundreds of pieces of clothing. And that was only apparently in the last few weeks. So why are they not getting out there? I know that governors are getting more vocal and a lot of people are getting more vocal. But my goodness, if I lived in Texas... And I had I had a business like that guy. I mean, you could just tell he's like he's like overwhelmed. He's like, I complain every day. I send pictures every day of what I'm seeing in my backyard and businesses can't function there. I mean, to me, this is a dereliction of duty. This is an outright dereliction of duty and a responsibility that these people and particularly the guy who was grilled today, he needs to answer to America. And boy, he is just shameful. After I heard him today, he was like pompous and arrogant when members of Congress were asking questions that I think anybody with half a brain would be asking this guy. 
Take a listen. I want to play a little bit. This is Gates, Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, asking Alejandro Mayorkas about some of his crazy facts and figures. You have the lowest deportation rate in the history of the department, right? Your data that you cite is misleading. No, it's your data. This is actually what your own agency is reporting. So do you think that it just might be the case that one reason that we will encounter the highest number of illegal immigrations in our nation's history this month and next month, because everybody knows that even if they come here, even if they go through the removal procedures, even if a judge issues a final order, you still think there might be more due process and you have no plan to remove them. And then when I ask you what the plan is, you say, oh, well, resources, I got to make finite decisions. I go back to my first question. How many ICE agents to remove the 1.2 million? Um, Congressman, I'd be pleased to provide you with a resourcing uh, data subsequent to this hearing, if I may. In other words, I don't have the data and I don't want to share it with the American people publicly. What do you have to hide, Secretary Mayorkas? Why do you not have any answers? And what the heck are you doing in this position? To me, I think he has really put America in incredible danger tonight. And I just feel so concerned about the border after listening to this guy who didn't seem to have any grasp of what a major security issue it is, didn't seem to think it's a problem, and basically said, yeah, we're going to be bringing in more agents, but they're going to be helping with the processing, not for security, not to block the border, not to vet who's coming in, but to make sure those that are coming in, basically the process gets speeded along so more of them can come in illegally to this country. I heard nothing in the last two days that made me think that this administration gives a rat's butt about, you know, security in this country. I mean, really, it to me was astounding. Here's a little bit more of Matt Gates and the very arrogant Alejandro Mayorkas. I think it's telling that you got plans for pronouns and you got plans for misinformation. But when it comes to the plan to remove the people that have had due process, you don't have one at all. Now, 800,000 people have encountered your CBP agents, and those folks have been released into the country. Like, some of those people are going to commit crimes, aren't they? Uh, Congressman, um, may I have a moment to answer your questions? Will some Uh, of the 800,000 commit crimes, yes or no? Uh, Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. And so the Americans who are the victims of the crimes for the people that you release in the country are collateral damage that you are willing to accept in order to have our border function as a turnstile. You're willing to accept that collateral damage. Congressman, I couldn't disagree with you more. And that was basically it. Next question. Uh, Yeah, you've turned your back on America. Basically, American cities now have tons of crime, and you're adding illegal immigrants, many of them with criminal records, and you don't care, right? And his answer is like, "Uh, I disagree. Next question. I I mean, that is absolutely stunning. What are your thoughts about this? As you have heard, I think one of the scariest, most inept people in the administration who is in charge of basically our borders and protecting the homeland. And he still maintains through it all. I mean, he said it yesterday. He repeated it again today. What's the biggest threat? It's domestic terrorists. It's domestic extremists. Are you kidding me? You have people crossing the border from Yemen, from Syria, that are ISIS, that are Al-Qaeda. 
And this guy is talking about basically this is, you know, the same phrasing that they use for parents that were upset about critical race theory. You got to be kidding me. This guy is so out of it. And to me, it is really frightening. By the way, speaking of critical race theory, um, we have a blockbuster show here tonight on the Rita Cosby show coming up in about an hour or so from now. We're going to have the great Dr. Ben Carson here on the show. I love Dr. Ben Carson. And he is going to be joining us to talk about critical race theory, to talk about race relations in America. And also, he's a brand new book out called Created Equal, which is a blockbuster talking about his own incredible life story. And also the fact that people are so freely using the word racist. It's like if they're upset about Ron DeSantis, he's a racist. If they're upset about Elon Musk buying Twitter, oh, he's a racist now. The left is smearing these people, and it is just disgusting and shameful. And to me, the verbiage is just so over the top, and I cannot wait to get Dr. Ben Carson's take on all of this. Um, He's always so measured and also one of those folks who has an incredible personal life story, too. And the great Dr. Ben Carson, um, who I know so many of you love, as I do, is going to be joining us in about an hour here on the Rita Cosby Show. Make sure you do not miss that. Meantime, boy, is Alejandro Mayorkas missing a whole lot. Here's a little bit more of his exchange. This is, again, with Matt Gates, who said that border agents are fed up with this administration. They feel unappreciated. They feel unrespected. They feel uh, that their lives are basically in danger. And remember, they were accused of whipping migrants under the Del Rio Bridge, that whole thing. And they've yet to get an apology about that, even though we've heard that they basically have been cleared, but the administration won't apologize. And in fact, when that agent passed away recently, remember the Texas National Guard guy? Jen Psaki said, you know what? Yes, it was a state worker, I understand. It was somebody who was protecting our borders. They should have recognized that. And you know that if it was President Trump, they would have come out right away at the administration and said our thoughts and prayers are with the family. And we have such love for the people on the border that are protecting us and their families. But it took days until we even heard anything from this administration. So take a listen. Here's a little bit of Matt Gates laying into, I think, uh, God, Mamby Pamby, my Orcas. Uh, let me let me give you, if I can, some data uh, that will actually well, more than the data. How about this? Well, how did it how did it feel to you when you went to the border and the border patrol agents turned their back on you? Uh, one uh, border patrol agent uh, turned his back on me, and I addressed that as uh, it was only the leader one? the leader of the Department of Homeland Security. So, if I can return to data, because I want to um, we make see sure that you have accurate information. Everyone knows repre- that you have more people coming in than ever and you're removing fewer people than ever and it's because you have no plan and because it's on purpose. See, I don't buy the theory that you don't know how to do this. I think you're actually a highly competent dude. But the reality is you, your plan is to bring these people in and to send the message to the smugglers and the criminals that they will never have to leave. That's why your workforce turns their back on you. And you have tools that you could use to deport these people. You have facial recognition. You have have flights going all over the country, dropping people off. And I think we ought to use the best tools in the country to find these folks, round them up like they were at the Capitol on January 6th, and deport every last one of them. Wow. By the way, I agree with Matt Gates. They do have every tools in the book. They're just not using them, and they don't want to use them. 
So what do you make of that exchange and also Mayorkas? Is it time that we get somebody who really does care about our homeland security? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And I will take your calls when we come back here on The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. You know what I see? A guy who is totally incompetent and is sadly in charge of one of the most important things for this country, homeland security. And I'm talking about Alejandro Mayorkas. And boy, did he get seared, skewered and grilled and broiled today by a congressional committee. Here's a little bit more. This is Jim Jordan, who took Mayorkas to task and listened to this pathetic answer. Secretary, have have any of the 42 illegal migrants on the terrorist watch list or no-fly list encountered on our southwest border been released into the United States? Uh, Ranking Member Jordan, as I mentioned before, I will provide that data to you with respect to the disposition of each one. I do not know the answer to your question. The Secretary of Homeland Security does not know the answer to the status of 42 individuals who came to our southern border illegally are on the no-fly list and the, uh, the no-and uh, the terrorist watch list. You do not do not know if whether they have been released or not into the country. That's your testimony. Uh, ranking member uh, Jordan, as I've said before, I will provide you the data. I Yo, do not back to want the general. That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. That is a very serious question. We know for a fact that there were at least recently, and this is not overall a long period of time, recently 42 on the terrorist watch list. You got to be one bad dude or a bad lady to be on that terror watch list. Usually those are the people like uh, who blew up an airliner or who wanted to uh, do another 9-11 or who did, you know, had some tie to al-Qaeda or Osama bin Laden. You know, you got to be a pretty bad person to make it onto that terror watch list. So those are the worst of the worst. You got 42 of them. Some of them have been released. That's another big question. Where the heck are they? And second of all, Where exactly are they located? Have you been tracking them? How are you tracking them? Are they behind bars, some of them? Hopefully all of them or most of them. Hopefully we can get the rest of them. But why would they ever be out? I mean, to me, that is a basic question. It's like, hi, are you the shoe bomber? Oh, come on into America. What city do you want a free flight to? You want a free phone? We love you. Come on in here. It's open borders and neon sign. I mean, this to me... It's like Abbott and Costello are running our border system. It is frightening. Let's go to your calls, everybody. Let's go to Steve on line eight. Steve, your thoughts about Alejandro Mayorkas? Yeah, hi. I think that organization, the Homeland Security, should be re, uh, renamed a homeland of uh, insecurity, importation of terrorism, and importation of drugs and destruction of your country. That's what it should be called anyway. These guys are flagrantly disregarding the, the will of the American people. Seventy-five percent of the Americans are, don't believe in this policy that's that's being con- enacted by this uh, administration. It's a it's it's a shanda. You know what that means? It means it's yes. a disgrace. It's disgusting. It is, it's and deplorable. you know, Steve. You know, Steve. You hit it on a very good head because 
it's it is insecurity. You're right. Like I feel I actually feel more insecure. And normally when you have a member of the cabinet who testifies, you know, in congressional hearings, you get maybe details. Maybe you go, oh, gosh, OK, maybe I didn't know that or I learned. I'm always open minded. I am much more concerned about our homeland security. I'm much more insecure to your point than ever before after listening to this guy, because not only do I think he's a liar, I think he's also utterly incompetent. And I also just think, scaringly, he doesn't care. And that, to me, is really sad. I think Matt Gates hit it on the head that the Biden administration has a clear goal to send them in no matter how bad they are or unchecked they are or whatever the problems are. Come on into America. No problem. And that is an intentional plan. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after Back the Blue. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night because we get to honor our great law enforcement and, of course, their families. And a great story coming from Hastings, Nebraska, where police in Nebraska honored and celebrated a school resource officer, Emily Ostiek, for her life-saving actions when she helped save a teen who went into cardiac arrest. The Hastings, Nebraska Police Department said that the officer jumped into action when she noticed an unresponsive student in the cafeteria there at the high school And Ostiak said she followed her training. She applied an automated external defibrillator to the 15-year-old student. She delivered a shock to the student before medical assistance arrived. The student was then transported to the hospital and then taken by helicopter to a children's hospital. Authorities say for sure that the student was in cardiac arrest and that that shock saved the 15-year-old's life. Then this week, Officer Odiak was given the police department's life-saving award for her heroic actions and saving a life. The police department said if it was not for her fast response and quick thinking, the situation could have had a very tragic outcome. So what a great and powerful story and reminder of our great law enforcement and also those who are protecting our schools and our students as well, which I always love sharing these great stories here on the show. And in an hour from now, we have our Support Our Heroes segment, which we do every night where we honor our great men and women in the military. Well, unfortunately, a lot of our guys and gals who are working on the border and the Border Patrol and in the National uh, Guard It's just been very, very difficult for them. Um, They are overwhelmed. They feel unappreciated. It's just been an overwhelming time because they're already dealing with so many people that are crossing the border. And today, Alejandro Mayorkas, 
was trying to basically minimize things. He's, of course, the Homeland Security Secretary for Biden. Take a listen to this exchange with Jim Jordan talking about the numbers of migrants that passed and listen to uh, the blank that Mayorkas is trying to pass our way in the response. In the 15 months Joe Biden has been president, 2,498,224 illegal migrants have been apprehended at our border. Hundreds of thousands of others that we didn't catch, the gotaways, have also entered our country. And the, pre- uh, the secretary says the border is secure. Think about last year. March of last year was the highest month on record for illegal migrants encountered at our southern border. Highest month in history until the month of April. And April was the highest month on record for illegal migrants coming to our country until the month of May. And May was the highest month on record until the month of June. And June was the highest month on record until the month of July when 213,593 illegal migrants were at our southwest border. Wow. And I bet you the month before was the same thing. He just didn't have a couple hours to go through all the numbers. It is so overwhelming. And I pray for our border officials every day because they are now basically babysitters just processing because they feel their hands are tied. Because this administration clearly has a plan. And they are just turning a blind eye to what is crossing our southern border. It is shocking, everybody. Here's a little bit. This is Chip Roy, congressman, of course, of Texas, with Mayorkas today. Listen to this exchange. The only plan that you offer, the plan you just offered, is to process aliens faster and encourage more to come. We know that to be true. I know it's true. You know it's true. Cartels know it's true. And people around the world know it's true. And that's why people are coming. That is false. It's not false. Yes, it is. The entirety of your plan says that. The Secure Fence Act of 2006 says what? That the Secretary of Homeland Security shall take all actions the Secretary determines necessary to achieve and maintain operational control over the entire international land and maritime borders. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have operational are... control of the borders. Yes, we do. And... Does anybody think after listening to Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, yeah, we do. Uh, first of all, you don't believe him. And I don't even think he believes himself. Because there are reports out tonight that he actually confided with some border officials that he is really worried about what's happening at the border, and he's really worried where things are going to go once Title 42, if it's lifted in less than a month. Isn't that interesting that privately he is sounding all panicked and publicly, oh, yeah, we're fine. And if indeed that is the case, and maybe there are recordings of him saying this to border officials, if indeed that turns out, you know, that he is in addition to you know, misleading us and lying, I think, about security at the border. If he is blatantly telling people very different privately what he is testifying to under oath, then he should get called back and they should play the tape and say, okay, you know, you lied. You're you're done. I, I don't think there's any gray. Here's a little more of Chip Roy. What operational control defined in this section, the term operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries into the United States, including entries by terrorists. Other unlawful aliens, instruments of terrorism, narcotics, and other contraband. Do you stand by in your testimony that we have operational control in light of this definition? And Congressman, I think the um, Secretary of Homeland Security would have said the same thing in 2020 and in 2019. 
the, 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 well, the secretary would have at least had a basis for saying that we have some sort of control of the border. But the fact is, we currently have people flowing across the border, including dangerous narcotics and dangerous members of terrorists, which your own agency sent a letter to my office after eight months. We sent a letter saying there are 42 people on the terrorist watch list that are in the United States. But you just said to Mr. Jordan, you don't even know where the hell they are. And that, that's what you're saying is operational control, including entries by terrorists and unlawful aliens. It's not. It's not operational control. No, it certainly isn't by anybody's standard. Let me let me just say, if I found a five-year-old on the street and said, the border's totally out of control. We have X amount of terrorists that are crossing all the time. We have had close to 2 million illegals that we know of and probably another six, 700,000 by many estimates that we don't know of. Those are the gotaways. So we're close to 3 million in a year and a half, okay, even less than a year and a half. Um, you know, we've had highest fentanyl rates ever. We've had highest cartel rates ever. We've had highest human trafficking rates ever. We've had the most migrant deaths ever. You know, and then say, do we have operational control? I could pull Johnny out of the candy store and he would say, heck no. Well, here is a little bit of Andy Biggs talking about the lack of control at the border with good old Mamsie Pamsie Mayorkas. You don't have the border under operational control, do you? Section 2, what does it say? It says, in this section, operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries into the U.S., including entries by terrorists, etc. You're not preventing entries. You're fomenting interesting entries. You're encouraging it. You're either accepting the Biden administration, and if that's the case, then you should be impeached. If you disagree with the Biden administration's program, you should re- resign. That's where we are. That's a great question, because either you agree or you disagree. And if you don't agree, have the guts to say it publicly. What we hear you're saying privately, don't testify under oath and lie to the American public and sit there and say, oh, yeah, everything is fine. And meanwhile, you're panicking and breaking out in hives privately. That ain't going to work. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to line four. Karen, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts, Karen? Hi, Rita. How are you? I'm good, but you know what? I'm worried, Karen. After hearing this hearing, I'm worried. I know. So am I. Why don't they send all these uh, immigrants to Ellis Island before they do anything? And why isn't the Supreme Court doing anything? I mean, they're, uh, they're disregarding... Their oath of office, they're disregarding the judges' decisions, you know, these uh, federal judges. They're doing whatever they want. They don't, don't do anything bipartisan, and they're getting away with it. Why isn't the Supreme Court? Yeah, yeah you, you, got, you got a committee there, Karen. I love that. We got a joint call. So, so Karen, first off, <laughs> and tell the choir in the background. I like them, too. I heard what they said. That was a good one. All right? So you get a double header there. But first off. On Ellis Island, I agree with you because the old days when they came through Ellis Island, they all had to be checked. They had to make sure that they had no issues health-wise, that they were screened, they were vetted, all that stuff. This administration doesn't want to do it. And it's obviously very clear now, sadly, because it's obvious why they don't want to do it. Because as Andy Biggs said, you know, either you are preventing or fomenting. And he believes they are fomenting, that they are Absolutely, like soliciting 
encouraging crossing. They're not saying, please don't come. We don't want you to come here. You're not allowed in. You have to do it the right way. You have to. You never hear them saying that. They're basically saying, please come, please, please, please. Mother, may I? You know, it's like, like, you know, a rat with cheese. They're putting like a whole bunch of Parmesan on the other side of the border and saying, go. You know, I mean, that's what they want. They obviously want a massive amount of migration to come for our country and don't care who comes in as long as they can get the numbers up. There is clearly a one focus goal. And so they don't want the the checking to answer your point. And then the other question, Karen, that you had, I'm not sure if it was you or the choir that asked this one, but on the Supreme Court issue, the reason the Supreme Court is stepping in, they've at least the lower courts have come in, lower federal judges have come in. And they have asked for a temporary injunction. And in fact, on the Title 42, a federal judge just the other day, it was one from Louisiana, and then there was another one that stepped in, both federal judges, but they're still below the Supreme Court because obviously that's the highest court in the land. They stepped in, and the last one said, we'll do a 14-day basically stay. Nothing can happen with Title 42 for 14 days. Well, it wasn't going to go into effect for 14 days. It was going to go into effect on May 23rd. It was going to be lifted. So there's still a chance it could be lifted on May 23rd. And the courts are haggling it out. It will probably at some point, I think, go to the Supreme Court, as I think maybe the, you know, a lot of these other issues will go that the courts are fighting with the administration on. The problem is a lot of time it takes a long time when it goes through the courts. That's one thing. And the other thing is, too, is the courts came in and said a federal judge came in and said to the Biden administration, separate than the whole Title 42 thing, is this remain in Mexico policy. You have to keep people in Mexico. They have to go through an asylum process. And once they're vetted and cleared, then they can come to the United States. That was something that President Trump put in place. And the courts ordered the Biden administration to keep that. Guess what? Of all the people that you just heard that entered this country, about 200 of them have been sent back because, quote, They weren't vetted on the remain in Mexico. We had close to 2 million people that we know of and probably 2.7, including the other ones we don't know of, that got into the country. And 200, 200, not 200,000, 200 were sent back. So they're not even listening to the federal courts. They're just basically snubbing their nose and doing whatever they want. And by the time the courts kind of catch up with them, think about how many people can cross in. That's why this is so such a crazy crazy scenario. They are like defying every sort of, you know, safety concern and every judicial court. I'm waiting for a court to go, you know what? You do it again, there'll be X punishment. But the problem is by the time that happens, that may be too late. And boy, there are so many people that have crossed our border. It is frightening. Um, Let's go to, let's go to Wilfred on line seven. Go ahead, Wilfred. Uh, Hello. Hello. We're forgetting the main thing when people come to America, they're supposed to come in and learn about America and all that stuff so they can become Americans. By letting people just come in, we're just diluting the country of our culture. Our culture. That's why they're putting all these different words, don't say mother and say birth person or something. You know, Wilfred, you bring up an interesting point, though, about the fact of that by letting them come in without having them you know, learn the values of America and the history and learn, 
you know, the language. Um, I mean, I think about, by the way, and you guys all know I'm first generation American. My father was rescued by American troops. And at the time, my father could only say thank you in English. That was literally the only word he knew how to say when he was rescued. He knew he was being saved by American troops. My father's Polish. So he said thank He was so grateful. I mean, he knew it was this amazing moment. And he couldn't wait to come to this country to learn the language. And he had to do all the tests and all those things um, to become an American citizen, as did my mother. Um, But you bring up a great point, because by just kind of handing it away, A, it cheapens it. um, And it's not fair to the people that went through all the hard work, like my parents, and I'm sure many of your parents out there. But they also don't feel attached to the country. They don't have that attachment because they didn't have to go through all those processes and learn and do all those things that, you know, people understand they have to do. Because I think being a citizen of America, first of all, I think it's the greatest country in the world. It is the most amazing country in the world. And you want people to feel like, God, they won the lottery by getting it. Not like, hey, here's a freebie. You know, Uh, I mean, you really want to make sure that people appreciate being an American and want to give back to this great country. That's what it's all about. Uh, Let's go to Pete on line three. Pete, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. You know, I heard something that they were saying they wanted to take for the border some funding from the veterans hospitals and health. I mean, that's a crime. Yes. Yes, and by the way, Pete, yeah, I just want to tell everybody what you're talking about. I'll let you finish because you bring up, I'm glad you brought that up because it came out yesterday that they are looking about taking funds from the VA, the Veterans Administration, and taking staff and other funding to work at the border, not even for security reasons, to help with processing so they can move along more migrants into the United States basically babysitters. So they're taking them away from the VA, which I don't, you know, a lot of you guys have been to VA. I've been to a number of VA hospitals and VA places. They could use a lot more help right now. They don't need help taken away from them. They need extra help. I think the opposite, Um, you know, my God, have every migrant who comes in work at a VA free for a couple of years. Maybe that's a good way to do it, you know, but I'm telling you the opposite. How shameful is that, that they may be, it looks like they're considering taking away VA funds and VA staff to help with the border. Real quick, Pete. Right. Well, you know, like I'm in the theater business. I was a stagehand for 40 years. And I mean, there's a lot of fat there. I mean, all these for the arts and stuff, they could send you some of that money and some of the uh, pork fat that uh, they vote on all the time to let go. Put the money from there. I mean, uh, don't take it from the vets. The vets need the help. One, the thing with the crime, if you went to, uh, if you interview people in the subways and stuff, they're all homeless vets that can't fill out the paperwork to go to the VA. They should have people to help them fill out the paperwork and stuff, you know? Yeah, I agree, Pete. Absolutely. One thousand percent. That is not the place to take it from. We'll continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. What do you make of the border? I think they are fomenting illegal immigration, not preventing. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. On the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to talk about Mayor Eric Adams. The police unions are furious with him. 
Guess what his new plan on for fixing crime in New York? You'd think he'd go after the criminals. No, he's going after the cops saying, don't be using your cell phones. Your cell phones are not helpful. In other words, he's cracking down on police officers. Boy, are his priorities out of whack. And speaking of out of whack, now the subway shooter. Remember that case that happened where the guy opened fire, uh, injuring so many people on the subway, shooting 10 people. Remember, Uh, this was just that recent case on the Brooklyn subway. Well, now his attorneys are saying maybe his civil rights were violated because they took a DNA swab of him and didn't ask. Are they trying to get his case thrown out? Boy, there's some shocking developments and all of that. And also coming up in the next half hour, we have Ben Carson is here, who I absolutely love. He is going to be talking about crime. He's going to be talking about race relations, critical race theory. And Ben Carson's going to be joining us in about 20, 25 minutes here on the Rita Cosby Show. You do not want to miss that. The great Ben Carson who always has a level-headed perspective. Well, Mayorkas, I don't think, is level-headed in any shape or form. And boy, today, take a listen. Here's another exchange on Capitol Hill where they were grilling the head of Homeland Security. Is you know it- Ramsey Youssef claimed asylum, right? And you know that he got to go and be released into the country on an assertion of credible fear. He was released, and six months later, he bombed the World Trade Center. Among the 600,000 gotaways, just that small portion, Mr. Secretary, how do you know that we're... Are you waiting for a mushroom cloud? Uh, uh, Congress, um, uh, Mr. Chairman, um, uh, I won't dignify that last question with a response. Wow. By the way, Ramsey Youssef, that was the World Trade Center bombing 1993. So... All the way back then, he gets let out, and that's why you want to keep track of these people. And these are the ones you know of. You can't keep track of that, and you know that there's so many other characters that have come in, at least in the last year and a half since Biden has been in office, and they just don't seem to care. And boy, is that alarming. Let's go to Phil on line one. Phil, your thoughts about all this? Well, Rita, good evening. Uh, here's, here's the deal. My orcus is a puppet. The strings being pulled are, are by the much higher-ups, even above Biden. They, they want to bring in a class of people into the country who, ha- who are not protected in any way, shape, or form. You can manipulate them at ease. I mentioned this in my other call uh, the other day. You just have people that are completely helpless. They have no constitutional rights, and they just simply meander around. So what happens is you not only have fentanyl coming in, you not only have a crime wave, but you have people who cannot participate at all in the political process. No, you bring up there's you're right. You're right. You've got all of these things kind of coming together and they just don't seem to care. The problem is, you know, um, even as far as like the political process and the shape of where things are headed. The thing is, Phil, if you listen to Elizabeth Warren the other day, they have a master plan and the plan is basically amnesty. And she even hinted at it that, like, eventually she, they're just going to say, hey, I know we've got a couple uh, million people here in the country. Let's tomorrow make them citizens and let's allow them to vote and let's allow them to do all this. Boy, is that a scary, scary premise. Let's go to Robert in Philly on line two. Robert, your thoughts. I'll be real quick, Rita. Um, I see this guy saying, I don't know. I see the FBI um head when asked about where the laptop was. I don't know. I see the CDC leader, Walensky, being asked two years into this pandemic, 
how many people died of or from COVID or with COVID, I don't know. They don't know anything. It's just Sergeant Schultz administration, okay? And what they don't know, they don't want to tell you because they know if it got out, they would just lose votes. They are in so much trouble, Rita. I can't wait to see it happen. Have a good night, my man. All right. Thank you, Robert. That was a good synopsis there. And you're right. I think people are fed up. Republicans and Democrats and independents, because they see the numbers. We're going to continue about this and talking about crime after the break. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. In this hour on the Rita Cosby Show, first off, we have the great Dr. Ben Carson coming up on the show. He's going to be joining us in about 15 minutes or so from now. You don't want to miss it. We're going to be talking about race relations in America. Ron DeSantis, Elon Musk, critical race theory, and a whole bunch more. The great Dr. Ben Carson joining us in just a few minutes here on the show. Also, lots of big developments coming out of Russia. And in the last few minutes, a Ukrainian prosecutor, I'm going to say bravo, bravo, bravo on this one. A Ukrainian prosecutor has now named 10 Russian soldiers as being responsible in part for the war crimes in Bucha, right outside of the capital city of Kiev. And of course, in the last few hours, by the way, also they are hearing Air raid sirens in Kiev. Apparently, some bombings are starting to take place as Russia is heightening the attacks against Ukraine. But I'm happy to see that Ukrainian prosecutors, you know, they've always mentioned Putin, by the way, absolutely. List him under war crimes as target number one for uh, offending on war crimes. But then we need to start calling out these other people, the generals and the others, Anybody who's been responsible, and I am really happy to see that they are now putting out a list of 10 different Russian soldiers who they say specifically were involved in war crimes, those horrible war crimes that were in the town of Bucha, which is just outside of the capital city there of Kiev. And that's where we saw those people laying in the streets who had been executed, many of them with their hands bound behind their backs, um, it, just horrible, horrible things. Civilians, clearly, war crimes, clearly executed, many of them tortured. It's just horrific. And I hope that anybody who had played a role in this in any shape or form gets held responsible. And I think that's great. I've always said you got to call out these people by name. You can't have these generals and other people and, and soldiers, anybody doing it. You can't have them hiding under anonymity. They need to be called out. They need to have their pictures all over the world. As we're talking about terrorists and most wanted and people that were crossing our border, you should be putting up these pictures. Okay, here are the 500. You know how you see the most wanted list like in a post office? Here are the 500 people that we know have helped commit war crimes in Ukraine. Put up their pictures on every media all over the world. And also somehow make sure it gets into Russia, too, as well. So they are shamed in their own country as well. And maybe ultimately they will be brought to justice. Anyway, I can't wait to get your take on that. And also, boy, as we're talking about the border and what a mess our border is, did you hear our president today? He comes out and he's trying to explain exactly what's happening 
with the funding for Ukraine. As he's talking about that and a whole bunch of else, he couldn't even get his words out. And you think he has trouble with the border? He has trouble speaking. Listen. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy. The guys who are the kleptocracies. (laughs) But these are bad guys. Wow. How scary is that? He's trying to make a major declaration to the world, and he just can't even get his words out. That is frightening. Meantime, I want to get your take on Mayor Eric Adams of New York City, because now he is at a battle over crime, he says. He wants to crack down on crime. So what's his big crackdown? It's the crackdown on police using their cell phones. Take a listen to the comment that is outraging all the police unions. Here's Mayor Eric Adams. I am disappointed in the deployment of transit police personnel. I've shared this before. All of you who take the train, you know you walk downstairs and you see five transit officers standing at the booth looking at their phones. Just can't, we just can't continue to do that. We are going to start taking very aggressive actions to make sure police are patrolling our subway system and not patrolling their iPhone. And so you are going to see a visible difference in policing in the next couple of weeks to get those officers who are not doing their job to join those officers who are doing their job. And you need to see that. And if you see it, send me a picture. Let me know. Because I go to that, that district the next day and see exactly what's happening, send me a shot. New Yorkers, you see that? Send me a photo, and I would be at that station. Why don't we send you a photo of the repeat offenders that your DA, Alvin Bragg, keeps letting out? What the heck is our mayor focused on police using cell phones? Listen to the head of, this is the Detectives Endowment Association, who said, listen, Mr. Mayor, police use their phones for work. Take a listen. Well, the reality is this. Uh, that's a ridiculous statement uh, because that phone is used as a lifeline for that police officer or for that detective. Uh, there are dozens of alerts that come over that phone on a regular basis. Uh, missing persons, wanted people, accidents, fires. Um, we are forced to look into that phone. It's part of our job today. Yeah, listen. I mean, that is ridiculous. This is the reason they use the phone. They get alerts like, here's a wanted, here's an accident, here's a missing person. You know, and for you to have this major crackdown on fixing things, going after the police is the way you're going to do it? Are you kidding me? Where crime is skyrocketing? Let's go to Max on line three. Max, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. First, what's your reaction, Max, to the fact that this is where Mayor Adams is putting his crime-fighting energies Rita, can you hear me? I can. I can. I live in New York. I don't go into the subway and see five transit officers on their phone. I see five homeless people. I see I see people that are uh, that that seem they. I, I mean, Juliana used to take people that were uh, uh, scaring the public. I'm obviously there. There needs to be a, a crackdown on the police officers. I haven't seen five police officers in one subway station in my life. All I've ever seen recently is five people that are that should be, you know, harassing somebody or taking up four benches or people that are 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 playing 
things are, are, are panhandling, which again, I'm not people, you know, these people are hungry and they need to be taken care of. But in my life, I haven't seen the budget cover two police officers in one police, in, in, in one train station. I agree, Max. I agree. One thousand percent. It is outrageous. And for him to say, oh, I have a plan on making things more equitable. Like, how is that making things more equitable? Yeah, people are getting let out for serious crimes. That's where your focus should be. Focus on the criminals. And we just were talking about the border, guys. Those people who are crossing the border, they're getting free phones. I mean, think about, as we're talking about phones, they are getting free phones and basically let into the country. Here's a free phone. We're going to trust you. Honor system. We're going to be monitoring you by when you ever call in and tell us where you are. Most of them throw the phones away or use it for personal use. They're getting a free phone. And yet... New York City's mayor is cracking down on cops using phones that actually also have to use it for their work. How do you think they're texting saying, hey, hey, wh- where is this person headed? Where is it? What are you seeing? I'm seeing something here at the station. That's the way people communicate these days. You know, that, that's how they're reporting crimes. They're keeping an eye on alerts. Are you kidding me? That's where your focus is? Wow. Let's go to David on line one. David, your thoughts. Eric Adams quickly becoming my favorite comedian. How does he not know that the police use the phones these days? How does he not know that as mayor? And then he's going to pop off at the mouth like a clown condemning them. And then to say, gee, citizens, if you see the police using phones, send me the pictures and I will go the next day to investigate it. Like, who does he think he is? Batman is going to be, doesn't he have meetings? Doesn't he have work to do? He's going to be running around the city, going to subways, looking for cops. Like, they're going to be there the next day. This guy has a clown of a jackass, and I'm loving it. Thanks, Rita. Oh, God, pray for New York City, David. Wow, 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 wow. I am telling you, it is crazy. Let's go to William on line two. William, go ahead. You're here on the show. Hey, Rita, how are you? Uh, You know, Eric Adams is a pathetic fool. And, you know, I I was I I spoke to Curtis and I said he needs to come out and see what's going on. Put a trailer out there and do like a night shift and then do a walkthrough where my, my poor cops have to go through out there. That is, you know, that guy is, he's like an imbecile and a fool, and he thinks he's Mr. GQ. And you know what? You know what's amazing, though, William? Like he said, we're going to, here's a good plan. And I'm thinking, okay, good. Maybe he's going to finally ask Alvin Bragg to really enforce the law. That's the Manhattan DA who's like George Gascon in LA and like the guy in Philly and San Fran. And he actually says, Citizens take pictures of cops on phones so you can, like, rat them out? Like, if that doesn't create more friction between the public and police when there's already tensions, and I think many unfair tensions, if anything, we should be saying, I support our police. I mean, we need to help police. Don't be ratting and don't be filming. Don't be doing this. You know, focus on the criminals. I'd love people who are breaking and entering. Get a picture of that. Get a picture of people burning down businesses. Where are those pictures? My goodness. William, thank you very much. When we come back, the great Ben Carson after the break. And then we're going to talk about this and also Russia. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. Some on the far left continue with consistently smearing those that they are threatened by, by labeling them as racist. 
They recently called Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, that. They call police that as they push for defunding. And they even called Elon Musk that after it was announced that he was buying Twitter. Well, our next guest knows what it's like to be in the eye of the storm. He is one of the best neurologist in the world, one of the top, top doctors. He's also the chairman and founder of the American Cornerstone Institute and has done so much in his career. He was also the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development and is a best-selling author and now has another really powerful book that's coming out that he wrote with his wife, which I love. It is called Created Equal, the painful past, confusing present, and hopeful future of race in America. And joining us now here on the Rita Cosby Show is the great Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Carson, great to have you here. Thank you, Rita, for having me. It's always great to be with you. You too, my friend. There are so many headlines in the news. And what do you make of the fact that some people on the left, I mean, just even recently with Elon Musk coming out that he was buying Twitter Suddenly, a number of people, even, uh, you know, in the mainstream media on the left side, called him a racist, said he is an outright racist. And then they throw the term also at Governor DeSantis when he was pushing, of course, to block, you know, gender identity education in schools. Do you feel that that word is just so quickly thrown out, particularly by the left? Well, it's like the boy who cried wolf. (laughs) You know, everything is racist now. You know, they've called me a racist. They've said that I was a white supremacist. Uh, You know, if you don't agree with them, you're a racist. If you try to do anything to guarantee election integrity, you're a racist. If you do anything that in any way impedes their agenda, you're a racist. And I think it's kind of losing its power, that word. It's, It's used too frequently. But so many things have been... Uh, relegated to racial issues, which really have very little, if anything, to do with race. I'll give you a prime example. Um, We talk so often about the wealth gap that exists in the United States between blacks and whites, and it's substantial, 5 to 10x. But is it because of race, or are there other factors that are involved, factors that we should be actually addressing rather than just saying everything is racism. For instance, uh, if you look at Nigerian families in America, Ghanaian families in America, there's virtually no wealth gap. But if you examine those families, you'll find that there's a huge emphasis on education, like the baseline is a bachelor's degree, and a huge emphasis on family and family structure. And if you look at African-American families who've been here for years who emphasize family and education, also there is no wealth gap. Uh, You know, even in my own family, which, you know, had a single-parent mom, those things were heavily emphasized. And, you know, she was criticized by her friends who said, you can't make boys stay in the house and read books. They'll grow up and they'll hate you. But I think she had the last laugh because one grew up to be a brain surgeon and the other grew up to be a rocket scientist. I would say she definitely had the last laugh. What do you say, Dr. Carson, when people throw this word around so quickly? And also, as you talk about also the wealth gap, because obviously big issue is crime in America, inflation right now. 
How do you see bridging the gap and also talk about the policies that also worked when you were with President Trump? Yeah, well, I I think you fight it with the facts. You know, those who say that we're systemically racist society, uh, that members of minorities can't make it in this society. uh, Ask them the question, if we're systemically racist, why do people form caravans trying to get in here? And when they get here, why aren't they telling all their friends and relatives, don't come here because it's a racist place? That's not happening. That tells you something. And also, um, you know, look at the enormous progress that has been made in this country by black people in just my lifetime. You know, when I was a kid and a black person came on television who wasn't in a servile role, it was a big deal. You called everybody and everybody came to watch. Wow. I mean, this was a big deal. And uh, now, just in my lifetime, you have black CEOs of major Fortune 500 companies, black generals and admirals, black presidents of universities, including Ivy League universities. We've had a black person elected president twice. We have a black vice president. I mean, major foundation uh, heads and chairmen. I mean, To say that things haven't changed, you have to be uh, blind or willfully just don't want to uh, acknowledge what has happened. Now, that doesn't doesn't mean that we've reached nirvana. It doesn't mean that we've gone as far as we should go. But it means that we've made tremendous progress. And as a a nation, we have to decide, do we want to build our future on our past failings or on our great successes? We get to decide that. I love your positive message because I agree with you, too, as well. And Dr. Ben Carson, um, your book is called Created Equal, um, which you wrote with your wife. What do you hope people take away from it? I hope they will come to realize that we, the American people, are not each other's enemies. And we should stop listening to the purveyors of, of hatred and division who are trying to drive wedges between our society on the basis of race, income, gender, you know, education, uh, religion, basically anything that you can think of. They're trying to drive wedges between us. And that is weakening us as a nation as we allow them to do that. Remember, The United States of America is the pinnacle nation in the world. Before we became the pinnacle nation, there were all these despotic leaders going around trampling anybody who was weaker than them, raping and pillaging, whatever. Uh, We set a different tone, and uh, a lot of that stopped. But as we weaken, as you see is happening now, those despots are starting to rise again. And chaos is going to emerge again. And that's why it's so important that we recognize that we're not each other's enemies uh, and that by working together, we will accomplish a lot more. You know, what is our symbol? The eagle. The eagle has two wings, a right wing and a left wing. It can't fly with two right wings. It can't fly with two left wings. But when they work together, it flies very well. And we have to understand that we don't have to agree about everything, but we do need to work together. 
Absolutely. And boy, do we need that message more than ever right now. Everybody, the book is called Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America uh, by my friend, Dr. Ben Carson and his wonderful wife. And it's available now on Amazon for pre-order. And I'm sure you have another bestseller. It's such an important message right now. Dr. Ben Carson, so great to have you here on the show. Thank you so much, Rita. I just always enjoy talking to you. Thank you for being a patriot. Thank you, and thank you for being a great, great patriot, too, Dr. Ben Carson. So great to have him here on the show, everybody, and also to hear his level-headedness about race relations in this country. When we come back, we're going to talk about Russia, lots of big developments Because now in the last few minutes or so, Ukrainian prosecutors are actually calling out Russian troops by name, saying here are the ones that were responsible in specific war crimes in Bucha and other places. And also Lindsey Graham. I want to play some explosive comments from him and get your take because Lindsey Graham is coming out and saying he thinks there could be a nuclear basically strike or some sort of attack, something with radiation by Putin or also a chemical attack. And he says the U.S. needs to now put Putin on notice ahead of time saying, if you do either, this is what will happen. Don't you think it's time to get tough? Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great military and, of course, their families, a story coming out of Camden, New Jersey, where during a town hall meeting this week, U.S. Army veteran John Wayne Foxhill was honored for his service to our nation. Foxhill is a Gibbsboro, New Jersey resident of more than 50 years. He served in the Army in the 1960s where he was stationed in South Korea. Now, while abroad, Foxhill was part of the 44th Engineer Battalion, and he helped rebuild bridges that were previously destroyed during the war. He departed South Korea to his last duty station, which was White Sands Missile Range in New Mexico. And he was honorably discharged in July of 1968. And beautiful to see that he was recognized in his home state of New Jersey this week. Well, we are talking about the crisis now in Russia because, boy, things are getting very, very heated. And, of course, I'm talking about Russia launching its war on Ukraine. And there's a lot of complexities to this of what's going on. And in the last few days, we have been hearing from a lot of people, including, first of all, Vladimir Putin. We've also heard from his longtime foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, who is basically his right-hand guy. And both of them have been talking about nuclear weapons, basically saying nothing is off the table. If anybody helps Ukraine while we are battering and trying to slaughter, clearly, as many people as they are trying to do in Ukraine, anybody helps We could put any sort of weapon on the table, basically, and things you don't even know about. That's what they've been saying. The rhetoric is really, really tough, and it's really serious and really concerning. And as an American, when you hear that kind of talk, that is a big 
big issue. And so this is where we really need level heads and we need people to look at all this stuff. And as we are hearing now, the U.S. and other people are trying to identify people specifically tied to war crimes. It came out in the last few hours that now Ukraine is able to name at least 10 Russian soldiers by name that they say are responsible for war crimes in Bucha. That, of course, is that town that's right outside the capital city of Kiev, Ukraine, where all those bodies, remember, were laying on strewn on the streets. And there were civilians who were executed, many of them in the back of their head and some of them tortured, just some horrible things that happened to these individuals. And now they're able to identify, they say, at least 10 Russians. I hope that they call out every single Russian who committed a war crime. Anybody who had anything to do with it, all the way from Putin to the generals to the guys on the street, the Russian soldiers on the streets who carried it out, every single one of them should be mentioned by name. And their families in the world should know that they are wanted men. I I really think they need to start calling them out, not just saying Putin. They need to say Putin and here's his henchmen. You know, here's uh, let's do it. And that's what the Ukrainians are finally starting to do because they're finally able to put the piece together and who it is and responsible and eyewitnesses and drones and all that stuff, piecing it together. But things are getting really, really stressful in terms of the danger level because people are very worried that now Putin is planning something, that his back is up against the wall. He has May 9th, which is Victory Day, basically, Uh, The Russians over the Nazis years ago, obviously, but they still celebrate. It's their big day, a big celebration day in Russia. And it's May 9th. And that's not that far away, as you know, on the calendar. So people are very worried that he is going to try to do something before May 9th, something dramatic, something that he could use for leverage against other, you know, whether it's the U.N. or NATO, certainly against the Ukrainian people. And that he can go back to his people on May 9th and say, see, look what we did. Here's our victory. They surrendered or we took over this area. And people are very worried, including senators like Lindsey Graham. Take a listen, because today this is really serious stuff. Listen what he was saying that he fears could be coming next from Vladimir Putin. I think you're going to see more atrocities. You're going to try uh, the the idea of using a chemical weapon is is probably on the table now. What I think you're going to see is him start attacking the weapons delivery systems that, you know, we're flowing weapons in the Ukraine like long range artillery that can pound uh, Russian troops in the east. I think he's going to be more brutal when it comes to the Donbass and the east. You're going to see more war crimes, not less. I think you're going to see him be more aggressive toward toward Western nations. I think you're going to hear more about nuclear retaliation. Really scary stuff. I think chemical weapons are on the table right now, and he believes it could happen at any day. How concerned are you? And how concerned are you when you hear it's our president who's fumbling and bumbling all over the place? We're going to get to that in a moment, too. The number is 1-800-848-9222. How concerned are you that this administration that can't even handle our borders is going to be able to handle Ukraine's borders right now? It is a mess. Here's a little bit more of Senator Graham saying that this is a moment right now where Ukraine has had some successes. They got that flagship, remember, they pushed them back. Um, But still, they need big-time help, not just from the U.S., but from the world, to make this momentum and get Putin out of their country. And this moment shouldn't be missed. Take a listen. 
the guy uh, has gotten a tiger by the tail called the Ukraine, and we got a chance to take him down, and I hope we'll stick with it. And he also said that right now this president needs to step up because this president, remember when the whole thing happened, he did nothing. When we knew that Russian troops were amassing at the border, our president literally didn't do anything. They amassed 70,000 troops. They saw it on satellite. They saw them all over the place amassing on the borders around Ukraine. And guess what? They didn't do anything. They saw them right there, especially on the Belarus side. They know what that means. And Putin was saying he's planning to invade, and this president didn't do anything. So now Graham is saying he better do something before a nuclear or potentially chemical attack should occur, and he should do it now. A nuclear device to rattle the whole world is now, I think, possible. And what is the response? The response to me would be, to Putin, if you explode a nuclear weapon inside of Ukraine, we're going to consider that attack on NATO itself because yeah. the radiation will go all over. If you use a chemical weapon to try to suppress eastern Ukraine, then we'll uh, impose a no-fly zone. This idea of being uh, uncertain about what you would do regarding the use of a nuclear device needs to end. We need to let him know if you explode a nuclear uh, device, you're picking a war, a bigger war, and you will certainly lose it. And bravo to Lindsey Graham, because what he's saying is we are worried now of a potential nuclear strike. That is, that means radiation that goes into NATO. This is really serious stuff. And if there's a chemical attack, then we will impose a no-fly zone. And what he's saying is stop being proactive, President Biden. Stop being like, you know, uh, like a rudderless ship on this one. Take control and say something ahead of time. Do some red lines in the sand that Putin knows he should not cross because, boy, he's already crossed a lot of lines already. And he clearly is not taking you seriously as a president and he clearly doesn't feel threatened or worried about you. And so he is saying right now, step up and say, do not go any further because there's a very narrow window where he may try to do something in the very immediate future. And what are you going to do? React after he does a chemical attack? After he kills potentially maybe tens of thousands of people like he did in Syria. We're hearing it all over the place that they're worried. U.S. intelligence is clearly worried. It's not even just like, oh, maybe it's a, yeah, we're worried about it. We're worried about a nuke. We're worried about chemical. And what are you going to do? You're going to sit and wait until it happens and then you're going to react? Shame on you, Mr. President, if that's what you end up doing. That to me is terrible. And listen today, this president can't even get his words out. I mean, we're talking, we're worried about the border. I'm worried about like World War III. Listen to this president today announcing more aid for Ukraine, which, by the way, I think is a good thing. But the president couldn't even get his speech out, let alone get his policy out. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy. The guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys. Wow. Boy, are we in trouble. He can't even get that. You think that Putin is sitting there going, he's not worried about that guy whatsoever. And we are really talking about serious stuff right now as the U.S. intel community is really deeply concerned. And our president can't even get a sentence out. one 800 848 one 800 848 Eight four eight nine two two two. 
Um, let's go to David in Pennsylvania. Go ahead, David. Good evening, Rita. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, you know, I just think what we're seeing again is you know, Joe Biden is pretty much uh, just being a, is being controlled and is not going to do anything other than create the optics to make it look like we're going to help Ukrainians. It's pretty consistent with Obama's uh, policy when it came to uh, conflict in Ukraine. And even with the caliphate, he never really did anything uh, decisive. He just prolonged, created the optics that he was trying to end, you know, the caliphate or to, to help the Ukrainians in the, when, uh, you know, Russia was taking offensive action under his administration. And by the way, David, so, you remind me, remember they were calling them the JV team. Boy, was that a mistake. And you know who made that comment? Lloyd Austin, our defense secretary. Good point, David. Thank you for the call. Let's go to John on line eight. John, your thoughts about this and how serious things are. And we have a president who cannot speak and articulate it even. Well, thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I think if uh, this kind of talk, I, I agree with Lindsey Graham, and maybe even we should start moving nukes into NATO countries if they'll accept them. Um, maybe even uh, some kind of shield uh, that uh, anything comes out of Russia uh, gets knocked out. Yeah, because we have to make some serious preparations. You know, John, to your point, I'm not necessarily, I don't want to do anything that provokes, but I also think that we need to send a message to Putin that you should not go there. Whatever it is stops him from doing that. We don't want to do, uh, you know, takes first action. But if we could do something that sends a signal, if you ever were to think about X, here's what we will do. And we mean it 1,000%. And if you do this, 1,000%, like two things that you will never want to see. You won't want to see the, the, the wrath of, you know, NATO's might. In these circumstances, I mean, I think we should have had that kind of rhetoric at the beginning, and maybe he would not have even invaded this country. And you know, John, that if President Trump was in power right now, he 1,000 percent would have had that conversation with Vladimir Putin. He would have had that. He was calling, you know, North Korea rocket man. You know, he would have said, hey, listen, Vlad, you know what I mean? If you're thinking of crossing one inch into Ukraine, you know, I'm going to put your little KGB butt. Somewhere else, you know, and, and yet th- he clearly doesn't by any means respect this president. And this president, like like the last caller just said, he's sort of like lollygagging around. And that is a huge concern for Ukraine and for world security. I 1000 percent agree. John, thank you. It's one 800 848 Let's go to Ursula on line two. Ursula, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. How are you? I'm good. Where are you from, Ursula? I hear an accent. I'm from Poland. I love listening to you. And we, I, I spoke with you a couple, maybe months ago. Like months I ago. thought, by the way, Ursula, and I remember and I thought I heard a great Polish accent. That's why I was asking. I just love, I drive from my work and this time when your show is on, I'm just like, I just like, I'm, I'm. You know, the situation in Ukraine is, like just someone said before a couple of minutes ago, if we did more, this this war would probably never happen. If president was here, Trump, this would not never happen. 
sometimes, uh, you know, living, my family is in Poland. There are everybody stressing out. Uh, listening what is happening in Ukraine. Um, I've been doing so much. I've been organizing collections, all kinds of different items. We in Connecticut sending so much stuff to Ukraine. Those people need everything there. And I feel like this country is not doing enough. I agree, by the way. And you know what? I'm still so frustrated that they were not supportive of the MiGs. You know, Poland was all ready to give the MiGs and said, and I thought it was actually fair when Poland said, hey, we're going to send them to Germany, to Ramstein Air Base. That's an American air base, as you know. And that way it's sort of a NATO mission. It doesn't look like Poland doing it alone. You know, and it's like, you know, we 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 were like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I we look like, I feel like we look so uh, wimpy. We look like, you know, someone gave the description the other day, Ursula, and I thought it was an apt one, like that Biden is almost like a bystander, like he's not a participant in this process. And if it was Trump, you know darn well that he would be leading the charge and he would be on meetings every day and and he would be on the phone with Putin you know, he would be doing whatever he can to, like, he would have prevented it, I firmly believe, because I don't think Putin would have ever thought of doing this under Trump. But yet this president is, like, so, like, wishy-washy, and you can't be wishy-washy with evil. Poland understands that. Our, our I consider Poland my second homeland, uh, and you're, of course, your first homeland. You know, Poland understands that. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, listening how much people coming to the southern border but what happened with those hundred thousand ukrainians that's supposed to they're supposed to be in like here but and by the way by the way ursula did you hear this they're actually stopping those at the border the people coming through the ukrainians trying to come through are having a hard time coming through they're the only ones having a hard time coming through the southern border it's like it's like them and Cubans. You know, well, guess why? Because they're worried that they're not going to vote Democrat. I mean, to me, it is such exactly. utter hypocrisy, Ursula. Yes, yes. And and uh, speaking of that, like I'm worried. Like you know, this giving away the free phones. Is this is something to do with election? If this is not going to be something, you know, let's COVID happen again, and let's do some kind of election by phone, by, by some, I, I don't know. I feel they have it something. They try to do something to di- win this election, which probably not going to happen. I hope so. But I feel this is something they're working on something. Yeah, because they keep flipping and flopping. Ursula, thank you very much. I love hearing from a great Polish-American. That is so awesome. Thanks, Ursula. But I agree with you. They keep, like even in fact, Fauci, by the way. Remember yesterday on the show we were talking about Fauci? Fauci came out and Fauci said that, you know, oh, he believes the pandemic is over. Well, he was quickly corrected by the administration today. And then he came out and said, oh, no, I didn't really mean that the pandemic is over because they realize, oh, that's not good. If Fauci's saying it's over, we want Title 42 to block people at the border. We can't have our head science guy go against us. Oh, my God. I agree with Ursula. There is so much hogwash here. And I think a lot of it, as you said, is election focused, although I think the fact when people start seeing those images of people coming across the border, you know, Title 42 gets lifted already. There's so many people coming across the border. But if that gets like doubled or tripled, 
uh, that those images, that is not going to help them in the midterms, the Democrats. Is there anybody out here who actually thinks that that image could potentially help them in any shape or form? I don't think so. When we come back, we're going to talk about our border, Ukraine's border. And boy, this administration not taking any security, whether it's our security or Ukraine's security, serious. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, there's no easy loving the Biden administration because, boy, things are really rough. In fact, if you looked at some of the latest polls, he is just tanking in every single different direction. And some of the new polls show that the number two issue, number one, by the way, is inflation. People are worried about the cost, you know, of buying gas or anything else. The number two issue is security. Our border They're worried also about what's going on in Ukraine, worried about national and international security. These are big, big issues. How concerned are you? And do you think this president's up to the task? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And boy, are the stakes getting higher and higher in Ukraine. I want to show, I want to play another little clip. This is from Senator Lindsey Graham today who gets a lot of the intelligence there on Capitol Hill. And he said he is very worried what Vladimir Putin may do in the next one to two weeks. Take a listen. Well, I think this is the fourth time in a week he's mentioned nuclear behavior, right? Nuclear retaliation if we keep helping the Ukraine. Uh, I don't think for a minute we're going to have World War Three over Ukraine. I don't think the Russian military would execute an order if Putin issued one to go into a full-scale nuclear war, because nobody wins that. But for the first time, to be honest with you, I believe it's possible they may explode a low-level nuclear device in Ukraine to try to break our will. And I would consider that attack on NATO itself, because the radiation would go beyond the Ukraine. So I really do believe he's up against the rope at, at ropes. Wow. That is really serious stuff. You just heard Lindsey Graham saying there is a chance that in the very near future, Russia may release a low-level nuclear device on Ukraine, which could cast radiation into NATO territories. Think about the repercussions. How concerned are you and how concerned are you that this president can't even get his messaging straight, let alone his war policy? They can't even say that they want Ukraine to win. They keep saying that they want Putin to be weakened. Wow. This is scary stuff, guys. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jimmy on line four. Jimmy, your thoughts about all of this. Jimmy, when you hear, you know, President Biden talking and he can't even get his words out, and then you're hearing some really serious stuff now, this is concerning, Jimmy. Definitely. And it's true. If Trump were president, this would not be happening. That's why they removed Trump. This communist movement is worldwide, well thought out, well planned. 
Now, if Putin uses a nuclear device, will that be some of the uranium that Biden, Obama, and Hillary sold to Russia? Will that be some of the technology transferred to Russia when Hillary did that reset where she built the Silicon Valley outside of Moscow? We did a massive transfer of technology to our enemies for decades. You know what? You know what, Jimmy? You brought up a lot of stuff. You're right from the Peter Schweitzer book. Wow, it may come full circle. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 